G'day and welcome to Krakencast. This is the Oceanic branch of the Vassals of Kingsgrave Game of Thrones review series. Today we'll be discussing episode 4 of season 8, entitled The Last of the Starks. My name is Duncan, or Valkyrus on the forums, and joining me today from Australia, we have Dana. Tindana on the forums. And from America, we have Bing. And Shushan on the forums. David. David HHH on the forums. And briefly, we've got Abby. Hi, DC Mormon on the forums. All right. So, guys, we're in the uh, post-long night half of the season. <laughs> and uh, it really feels like anything could happen at this point. So I'm interested to hear what you guys thought about this episode. Um, it's received a very mixed or a very polarizing response on the internet. Most of it seems to be centering on a Starbucks coffee cup, which was somehow smuggled in, <laughs> somehow smuggled into Westeros. Yep. They're yeah. claiming it wasn't actually Starbucks, that it was from their own canteen or whatever, but still, either way. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I, need, I, I need to know what Danny's uh, preferred uh, type of drink is. Well, it's not, <laughs> it's not clear what role the, the coffee cup will play in future episodes. Um, it might be a souvenir of brands, interdimensional travels. It might be Maybe. the Night's King's like last remaining Horcrux. Only time will tell, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Um, but let's get into our lemon cake ratings. Dana, what did you think of this episode? I give it like a four. Yeah, no, I give it a four, a solid four. I really enjoyed character parts of it, which is complete fan service. But you know what? I'll buy into that. This is, you know, the showrunners, not fanfic, but their version of. So, you know, their fan service I liked. Uh, and there were parts that surprised me and I didn't have as many issues and I didn't see the coffee cup. So, you know, my life was pretty good. So definitely a four. Awesome. Uh, Bing, what did you think? Um, somewhere between a 3.5 and a four. So I guess a 3.75. Um, I think I, the only problem I have is not so much the typical problems I have with this show past season five or six. Um, this for this episode, I just felt like the pacing was a bit off. Yeah, it felt like there was two episodes in this episode, <laughs> and I feel like this would be better if it was two episodes. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, they might be running out of time. They just have to keep shuffling yeah. people around the board as quick as possible. Uh, but yeah. but David, what did you think? I, I'm gonna actually agree with Bing. I'm 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 wavering between three and a half and four, so I'll probably give it a three and three quarters as well. Um, it, it wasn't as eventful as. You know, it could have been. But then again, I also actually wasn't expecting a confrontation in King's Landing already. I thought this might be a another down episode. So I guess we I got a little more than I expected. If you ask me 10 minutes from now, I might go up a half a point or down. But I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was good. It wasn't amazing, but I enjoyed it. And we'll get into the details later. Yeah, of course. And what did you think, Abby? Um, I also agree with Bing. I felt like there was a lot of tonal inconsistencies. It was like two episodes mm-hmm. in one. So I give the first half of the episode like a, a four and a half, and then the second half maybe like a three. So w- what is that? That's like a 2.75, two point something like that. I'm bad at math. 3.75. I'm an, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm an art student in college, so I don't do math. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I liked the fan service stuff because it's fan service, so you gotta like it, I guess. And then I just felt like the other half was like there was so much fast things going on that I just kind of was like, what what is happening? It, it's why is this all of a sudden happening? I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, I actually really enjoyed this episode. Um, I was pretty lukewarm on the first two episodes of the season. They felt really sluggish, but this episode felt much closer to the Game of Thrones I know and love. 
It was sort of it was fast moving, had a lot of tension and scheming, had these sort of complex ethical and political dilemmas. Um, and the characters kind of felt active again, like they were wrestling with internal and interpersonal conflicts. I think Danny's potential descent into madness is really compelling and actually quite believable, both just mm-hmm. the plotting and also um, Amelia Clark's performance was quite good. Um, and I think it takes the story away from the stereotypical fantasy that it's kind of been cresting towards in the past couple of episodes and towards something genuinely shocking. Um, so I was going to give it four lemon cakes, but I'm docking points for the fact that War Hero Ghost <laughs> didn't get a single didn't get a single nuzzle for his brave service from John, sure. which is absolutely unforgivable. So I'm going to give it three point seven five lemon cakes. All right. All right. So we almost all agree. <laughs> I know it's yep. pretty. Yeah, yeah. That's about the the marker all hitting, um, but that's okay. So I'm surprised that you think. Oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, I'm just surprised you think that it's going away from classic fantasy tropes because I feel like it's going towards that like those who don't want power are the best rulers like classic trope. I know, but like so. I guess the way that well again like the fact that they're debating between Daenerys and Jon, who's like probably the worst candidate for for governance. Like he's a good fighter, but the idea that he's like going to make the hard decisions seems a bit silly yeah. compared to someone like Sansa or I don't know um, other candidates. But, um, but I mean, Danny's just been propped up as this savior figure for so long. Um, everyone's fallen in love with her. So that, that sort of idea that they've invested all this hope in this one character and she could fail them is really interesting. And, and Danny's sort of um, desperation uh, is, is really interesting to me. The fact that she is also bought into this, this savior role because she's been told she's the savior for so long. And it's kind of collapsing around her, or she she feels isolated. She feels like a an alien in her, in her own homeland, or the homeland she presumes to belong to govern. Um, yeah, All right. a, your, your deep read of it, your deep read of it has has uh, swayed me. I I get what you're saying now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's sort of a, it's um a, a bit of a mix of things because it definitely still leans into some of the fantasy aspects and but unpacks it yeah. a bit more. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. But it feels like, like I guess, he- as we were heading towards the long night, it felt like the story was wrapping up. But in many ways, it feels like it's like starting up again. Well, like it's heading in all these new directions, mm-hmm. even though we only have three episodes left. So it's kind of like, like the problem with the yeah. Sorry, I feel like the problem with the long night, or everything that's up to that, was that a bunch of characters just feel like they have nothing to do mm. with, with, with this with this the conflict with the the the, the night king. Um, they it's fighting against dead people. I feel like Barris. They have no idea what to do against fighting mm-hmm. against dead people. But now we're fighting against living people again. Barris is Barris suddenly yes. feeling very useful again. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. People like Varys, people like Varys and Tyrion and Sansa. It's like if you're not a martial character, you don't really have much to do in these big battle episodes. Yeah. But um, in many ways, it's kind of like once the long night, like the the long night, kind of gave everyone a good feeling because they all knew their role, they all knew they're on the mm-hmm. one side, they all had a common enemy to unite against. But now that that common enemy is gone, you kind of get the harsh light of day, and you realize, uh, no, it isn't really a happy ending. All the problems that were there before the long night are still there and all these characters that felt united are starting to break apart and become suspicious again and the kind of the the bad impulses of humanity and and politics start to reclaim people's hearts um but let's get into the episode itself and uh analyze each scene so again it's it's getting trickier and trickier to divide to divide up these episodes we used to do it in previous seasons by location but we're kind of going to have to just do it by sections of the episode most of it takes place in winterfell or at least the first half and then it branches into the south 
we begin with the victors of the Battle of the Long Night burning the bodies of the slain. And uh, we also get John cleverly mixing uh, Theoden's Helm's Deep Victory speech and the Night's Watch Oath into, fa- into a fair use speech. In Winterfell's <laughs> Great Hall, Danny is hosing the crowd down with beer and promotions while uh, side-eyeing Johnny-come-lately Targaryen. Jamie whisks, <laughs> Jamie whisks Brienne back to her bedchamber to knight her a second and third time. And uh, the hounds eating and brooding is continually interrupted by pesky blacksmiths, lovesick wildlings, and not-so-little birds. Um, so this is the victory banquet, I guess. What did you... It was kind of a feel-good feel good couple of scenes, but uh, some of the tensions started to creep into... And sort of Danny's precarious hold on the situation started to rear themselves. What did you guys think of these scenes? I, I definitely liked it. I got a little a little teary at the beginning, so that was my crying that I expected to have from last episode. Um, and then I, I I I liked all the the character dynamic stuff a lot. I really liked um, the Tyrion and Jamie bonding. I thought that was really cute. And I was very surprised that they actually had Sansa and Sandor talking to each other. So. That was a cute bonus that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the fans have been waiting for that for a few episodes. Right? And we finally saw it. <laughs> All along we've been waiting. Like, finally. I, I did. Yeah, I did like that. The, the speech that John gave, I actually thought was a little bit moving. Um, and, yeah, kind of a nice moment. You get all the characters kind of, um, especially Danny sort of like saying goodbye to Jorah and kissing him on the forehead mm-hmm. and, and Sansa crying over Theon. I thought it was all quite moving. And, and giving Theon the Stark pin, which I like. Was I that know. the hand of the Stark pin? Like, kind of. Yeah. Like. He, he died in his home. He died with his, fam- his, his true family. And he, he See, burns to me, it looked like a Stark, like, metal bookmark that you could buy from the HBO store. <laughs> Pretty sure you can. Yeah. Yeah, there I should probably. have had a little pop-up at the bottom of the screen. Order I now. felt like that was, yeah, yeah I, I felt like that was a bookmark, but that's me. Just <laughs> like, plug. Yeah, anyway, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did really enjoy the goodbye. I liked the awkwardness of the dinner was at the beginning, just because everyone is so tired and just over it and something good happen- had to happen to like pick up the mood. I feel like what is- I was watching our fan fiction come to life. Mm-hmm. I'd say a lot of this episode, I felt that way. Yeah. One, one thing I did like though, notice in the, in the burnings, Sam finally does burn Ed just a little bit late. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I felt it was, um, it's definitely fan fictiony. I felt it was sort of similar to the second episode, which also had a kind of a lot of drunken revelry and sort of pre-battle, um, jitters but I don't know I, I enjoyed these scenes a bit more they felt a bit more earned and there was like a sense of like relief and palpable relief that they'd survived this and they're all kind of bonded in that moment so when Tyrion and Jamie and Brienne were playing the drinking game I was really really enjoying it because we just got through this really intense like emotionally draining episode so it's kind of mm-hmm. like oh finally we can relax a bit like it felt really earned and yeah I just I, I enjoyed it like it was sort of well written and, and well acted it was fun you know what I thought was most striking about the drinking game is that before she even gets laid, Brienne is smiling through the whole fucking thing. I was like, this is so weird to see Brienne just smiling now that she's a knight. And even before she gets laid, like, wow, <laughs> we've never seen that in like how many seasons since she joined the cast. Like, it was just nice. Of course, it all ends. Yeah, uh... it's Game of Thrones. So. <laughs> 
I I get though that they were like trying to make the whole embarrassment of Brienne, but at the same time, she's an unmarried woman in the Seven Kingdoms. She's supposed to be a virgin. Like like this isn't some big horrible shame. That's what she's supposed to be. Yeah, I feel like that that part's a little bit clumsy. I almost feel like, oh, these are frat boys, hmm. even in Westeros, talking about how a girl is not is still a virgin, even though. I mean, yes. <laughs> yes, it did feel oddly modern, the sort of drinking game that we're playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, there's, the best part is like uh, Tormund and John, where John's like, vomiting is not celebrating. And Tormund's like, yes, it is. <laughs> Just oh, perfect uh, Tormund-John moments in there. Cultural differences. But, uh, and I just had one question. You know how Bran is talking to Tyrion and he's like, oh, this design is one of my favorites. Yes. From when, like, mm-hmm. Daron Targaryen with the crippled nephew. I cannot find the crippled right. nephew. I, is this... don't, I think that's fan fiction. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I don't remember that, and I just, I don't think so. Especially depending on, like, what Darren Targaryen, God, if it's one of the nephews, it's like his father was, you know, the unworthy, and there's just so many bastards, and I'm like, I don't have enough time to click on all those links. I I don't recall that. Does anyone else? I I think that was fan fiction. I could be wrong. Maybe it's in there somewhere, but. Nah, I'm pretty sure they just like to uh, invent Targaryens to suit their needs at this point. Yeah. Oh, but so does George, so, you know, True. Twitter well, norm. Um, I mean, for all we know, Bran invented it just to prove his point or something. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Who's going to prove him wrong, right? Yeah. He can just make up stuff. You calling me a liar? I know the infinitudes of reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um... You notice Tormund bounced back from his heartbreak pretty quickly. He cried for a minute and then, oh, well, I guess I'll just fuck this girl. <laughs> I actually found, I felt really sorry for him, even though he's pretty gross yeah. around Brienne. He's like, he seemed genuinely distressed about it. But then, yeah, he got over it pretty quickly, as it's you say. Really quick. But although he did make the comment later that these Southern girls don't like me. So maybe some, maybe that didn't go so well, wherever the, the wedge he went off with. <laughs> oh, one other thing about the Sansa and the Hound talk. I liked that when um, that when she says that she dealt with Ramsay and he asks her how, she says, hounds. I love that line. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that conversation completely. I was just, as soon as she sat down, I was elbowing my partner. I'm like, call her a little bird, call her a little bird. And then when oh, Sansa's yeah. like, you know, if I went with you, I would still be a little bird. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that was Sansa. I like how the Stark uh, sisters are like the only two characters that he doesn't like despise or he, he tolerates. <laughs> yeah. Because they're yeah. The sort of like two characters that have sort of come under his tutelage and he's tried to teach them some harsh realities about the world. And to their credit, they have survived and they have like braved some pretty harsh realities and lived to tell the tale. Right. And I mean, they're both as damaged as he is, too. I mean, in mm. their own ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what about uh, what about Gendry, the Lord of Storms, and yeah, not a... Gendry, not Gendry Rivers. Shouldn't that be Waters? But whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Gendry Rivers. Gendry Rivers is a uh, riverland. <laughs> well, I guess we don't know his mother, but we assumed he was born in. Or we assumed she was a King, King's Landing. King's Landing. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, that's a hell of a promotion from blacksmith to great lord. <laughs> we think they'll go that way in the books. I could see yeah. that, like Edric's. Well, no, no, I was thinking Edric's mm-hmm. door, maybe, but yeah, mm-hmm. if he's still around at that point. Yeah, yeah. My head cannon is Edric Storm, 
becomes um, Lord of Storm's End and Gendry's there as the next, like, Donald Noy. God, who's who's a blacksmith at Castle Black? Yeah, Donald Noy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just had... You got it. <laughs> I should trust in my nerd. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that that's my headcanon, and it just goes around again. Although, hopefully, Gendry keeps his arm. Who knows? <laughs> um... I still want Arya and Gendry to wind up together in the books, but uh, see, we should I want it to happen in the show, and I don't want it to happen in the books. But they're like, yeah, really? But they're like closer yeah. in age in the books. Yeah, no, in the books, I think like Arya is just going to disappear somewhere. Like, like once yeah. the battle is done, yeah, she, exactly. she's you know out of dodge. I think the next battle she sees will make her reevaluate, you know, what it is to look after common people, like common folk, and and the role that she can have in that. And I think that might be a way that she returns to Gendry. Mm. Um, or he gets crippled and then she feels really bad. So he looks after him for the rest of her life and despises him yeah. and all the children that they have together. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't get to have adventures. Oh, dear. Gendry's also with his, her mom right now, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. True. It's true a hell of true. a mother-in-law. <laughs> oh, God, could you imagine? Oh. Awkward uh, family right. dinners. Bringing bringing him home to mom to meet mom like oh well, you already know him but <laughs> um what do you guys think of Danny sort of watching uh, all the all the crowds and adulation that John was receiving kind of looking at him a little uh, sort of some slightly proud but also very wary and I don't know she seemed like she was a bit isolated there on the dais well not just isolate which I, I I do think Amelia Clark did it really well of. Just all this hearing people heap praise on John and her just being like, um, but me, you know, I've yeah. ridden dragons and done all that and brought them to save you. But it, as you were saying before, Duncan, it's it shows her possible descent into madness really well of its its fear and its envy. And she's going to accuse John of betraying her when he hasn't. And yeah. it's all those really strong emotions. And I thought she did it really well. Uh, she, and she she does a pissy look like no one else. <laughs> like even Lena Headey cannot get like that perfectly pissy look. Like you know, Lena Headey has a bit more menace to it. Where yeah. where Danny just oh oh my goodness, the it, tantrums she would have had as a child would have just been horrible. It was it was good though because it was definitely a pissy look, but she was kind of trying to cover it because he would kept looking back right. and she kept trying to be assuring right. and you know like good on you, I'm proud of you, but um. But yeah, I think it's it's that shadow on the wall thing. Like she's sensing how precarious power is, or how much it can shift between people. And yes, she, she everyone thinks she has the the best claim to the throne, and she has the armies. But in reality, I mean, she's lost her Dothraki. She's lost a big chunk of her Unsullied. She's lost one dragon and loses another one in this episode. It's kind of like all of the material things that kept people kneeling to her are kind of drifting away, and all she has left is her claim. But even that's kind of a bit tenuous at the moment now that John's uh, right. revealed it. But also the, the sort of emotional layer is that she actually, well, we're, whether the chemistry is there or not, we're told that she genuinely loves John. So she's really conflicted. <laughs> um, so we also get right. that scene yeah, that scene a bit later. Well, she definitely is starting to feel really paranoid too. Because, I mean, like she makes the comment of, yes, she says, oh, 
yes, they all love you. It's like, well, they all did in Essos, but no one in Westeros does. You know, she she makes mm-hmm. that comment like everyone here loves you. They don't love me here. So and then I, I did like that interesting bit where she's looking around, like you said that, where you notice they took all the sounds and kind of muffled it out. So you can just see like you ever like when you're seething and you're in a room and you kind of don't hear anything around anymore because you're just angry about something or mm. and, and you could just and they really pulled that off. Well, you know, that was where I started to feel like you're saying that like descent into madness there. And in her case, I think it's more paranoia than madness. Like she's, oh, they're all out to get me. They all love him. I got nothing like I could definitely feel like she just wasn't even hearing what was going on around her anymore, other than the things she heard before that got her paranoid. Up to this you know? point, she was consciously feeling like she's the main character of her own story. Right. Mm-hmm. And here, she, in the middle of this dinner, she realizes she's not. Yeah. Everything, uh, everything, even up to that point, even like when she just got to Westeros, she feel like she's the main character of her own story. And it was only at this point where she suddenly realized, oh my God, there's another main character. <laughs> and seems like people like that main character better than me. That could be kind of meta, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah. One other thing about the Arya Gendry thing, I liked that. Um, you know, when when it was so sad when he when he proposes to her and she's like, oh, she's like, she gives him the hug, she gives him a kiss, and then she lets him down and she says, you know, she says, you know, the typical line of, oh, any woman would be pr- would be proud, blah blah blah. But then, you know, she says. And any and was it any any lady? She says that uh, was it um any any great lady would, but that's not me. And that's like a direct callback to what she said. Was it to Ned way back when in the first season? Mm-hmm. That's not me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. More callbacks to the first season. Um, okay. Unless there's nothing more to say, we might move on to the next slew of scenes. So Danny pleads with her drunk boyfriend not to tell everyone he is the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. And he immediately holds a stark press conference about it in the Godswood. Uh, While getting the lowdown on being low down in a relationship, the Lannister brothers are accosted by a crossbow-wielding Bronn who demands their wallets, jewelry, and any great castles they have on them. In the courtyard, Jon bids a heartfelt farewell to Tormund and Sam, but he can't even offer a single belly rub to the goodest dire puppy in the world. Right? What has how what happened to Grey Wind in this entire battle? What was he been doing? Ghost. Not ghost. ghost. You mean sorry, not Grey Wind. Well, we he, don't know. He, he disappeared. Ru- yeah, he runs off at the beginning, and mm-hmm. uh, that was the uh, Direwolf budget for that episode. And then we yeah. see him yep. again now. Yeah, but he's, he like, he didn't really come back. We didn't see him come back. So presumably he was just nope. out in the middle of the sort of sea of of corpses. Yeah, surviving. he's a literal ghost. Yeah. Quick Obviously question. Obviously, doing a good ass job because he only has one ear. Also, yeah. why hasn't anyone given him a bath? He deserves right? at least a good, like, or a brush, yeah. all that blood in his fur. <laughs> oh. And fuck yeah. you, John. Oh. Fuck you. Give him, him to torment just because he belongs in the North. Halfway, mm. like, in that scene, I actually wrote my uh, alternate fiction of uh, where are we? <laughs> Let me just find my page. Oh, no. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> John returns broken to the north, but most likely dies in the south, which is going to happen. But my alternate fiction is John returns and lives his last days with ghosts north of the wall. And he's just there farming, and there's ghosts just, like, watching him with his one little ear and just being like, I'm glad you returned <laughs> to me. And not that dragon bitch. Um, <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. I just, I was so insanely mad. I just, 
can I add one little fan fiction bit too? Because it's funny. It, it, it's really from later, but it'll fit here with what you're saying. There's a great meme that um, I think Adam posted in one of the forums. I mean, in one of the um, in one of the Skype chats, which is uh, Regal being hit by the by the, the <laughs> and and it's actually Ghost that shots it and just looks and goes bit. <laughs> I have sent I so that. many of my friends. Quick, you know what? We've and that's to... what? That is what Joan gets when you reject your old god given direwolf. Um, <laughs> they take your dragon. That's what happened. But he didn't even take it. He didn't even ride it. That was the weird part. <laughs> I know, but I mean, like, they took like yeah. his dragon yeah. option away. You wanted a dragon and you cast away the direwolf. Now you get nothing. Be happy really? with what you sh- should have been given, John. And now they're both out of the budget, so the, so the producers are happy. <laughs> Starks um, should never thing. let their direwolf get away. They always I'm die. I'm not sure if we, I'm not sure if we passed this, but I, I can't believe we haven't said anything about Brienne and Jamie. Because yeah, I, no, that's that's I, yeah. I feel oh, yeah. like that's a big topic of conversation, and and I mean, did it did it feel did it feel it felt so fan service to me? No, but I liked beautiful. it. But I still liked it. I, I still it. liked. Well, it was beautiful till he, you know. <laughs> I liked it. It was. And so I liked how that Jamie it. has no game unless it's with Cersei, and he's like, I'm just gonna take off my shirt, and he can't even do that, and. Can't even take off her shirt. This is like, oh, Jamie, bless you. You're too used to fucking your sister. Well, I actually like that. He probably has. I read that a little. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's the thing with Jamie. He's never been with anyone except Cersei, but it was just adorable to see him all awkward. I I read that a little different way. I mean, yes, him being awkward, I think it was just he was drunk and whatever, but I liked that he goes to take hers off. And she says no, and she does it herself. And I, and I, I, that's how I read it. Was she said, "I'll do this." And she takes hers off, and then she takes his off too. So it's like I, I, I like that, like her taking the little power there, which I thought was cool, especially in their dynamic. Given their dynamic, that she's always been kind of, you know, a little below him, and now she's kind of taking the power. Although, well, look where it gets. I mean, power, <laughs> but also just wanting to go at her own pace, and it's like it's a big right, right. deal to her, and she wants to, yeah, yeah, be comfortable with it. Um, right, but she yeah, said, nice. "This is my." Body. I'll do it. I'll take this off. I liked it. Yeah. And then Jamie decides to stay with her and goes back on it. But hey, the 40 minutes where I thought they were staying together was a great 40 minutes. I was happy. I had a smile. But but did you really think, did anyone think he was just going to like stay there and that would be the end of his story? Like that can't happen, right? I mean, there's no way. There's no way. And I didn't. I didn't actually think it would go so fast. Like I thought he would have at least waited till next episode to leave yeah. her. But apparently he couldn't. <laughs> oh well. Jamie, the bastard. Bron I did ending like up with the reach. Yeah, Bron is like going for the the high mark. I don't. I don't know how he's gonna like enforce this deed under crossbow. I don't know if that'll hold up in court, but we'll see. I think he's. I think he's basically saying, "Look, if you don't, I'll, I'll get you in your sleep." You know. What's, I mean, what leverage does he have? Like he's just threatening to come back to kill them can't they just post guns yeah Yeah. i guess he's the best he's brawn (laughs) yes he just he went he went he spanned an entire continent to threaten them and then just (laughs) walked all the way home (laughs) well he didn't just threaten them he you know theoretically just got i mean the most fertile part of the realm the richest and most fertile part of the realm he just got so that's a pretty big why not right Apparently. I did like the line that like my fighting days are over, but mm-hmm. my killing days are yes. on. I was like, that's a good threat. That's a yeah. Also Tyrion making little person jokes to Jamie. That was great. Yeah. I that was yeah, probably the best fan service moment besides the sex part. <laughs> yeah, I like them together. It's good for it's good for them both to have a friend. 
because they're always a bit, you know, up against antagonists. Um, what about that whole, uh, just the whole John and Danny scene where she's like pleading with him and yeah. she's just getting like, she's just getting more jealous by the moment and desperate. And, and she's going, she's asking him to do the one thing John can't do, which is lie. Cause you know, he has his, well, he's not his father, but the, you know, the man who raised him, that Ned's bad honor. You can't ask him to lie. It's the one thing he won't do, you know? <laughs> I found it. I actually found it a pretty moving scene because, like, Danny again is caught between that political ambition, but also like her emotional attachment to John, and and she keeps saying like, "Can't we just go back to the way it was?" and blah blah blah. Like, I, I liked all that. That sort of mixed up, sort of fraught interpersonal dynamics. I thought it was well done. But I mean, it's so obvious how yeah. jealous she is. She's just totally jealous of him. And is basically trying to put him in his place now. Like, just, just don't, don't tell anyone now, or it just, she's just so paranoid. It's like there's no way a good relationship can come from this, right? I mean, and I wonder if the writer is actually using this to comment on how rushed this relationship was. <laughs> actually, <laughs> um, and actually trying to make a point about it. Or that, or that maybe Danny is someone who is, you know, scared of being alone. So kind of saw mm-hmm. someone in John that she could rely on. Didn't, you know, wanted someone to to be with, or wanted someone to fill, I don't know, Carl Drogo or Dario's <laughs> shoes. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's like she sees it as an equal I relationship. I honestly thought you were going to say fill her holes. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh my <laughs> and then I realized it's you. And I was just, oh, I, yeah. sorry, Duncan. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, I mean, I think she does respect him. But I don't know. Like, I think, like, loneliness is a big thing for Danny. She is. She felt lonely as a child, but also because she has so much power she often feels distance from people or she feels like she can't trust people so like it was a big step for her to place her trust and her faith mm-hmm. in john um so there is something like really desperate and sort of betrayed and hurt about this this pleading and that, i mean you can that that he is kind of that, that he is kind of sorry just to finish that he has um yeah. someone that was like emotionally connected to her and has now kind of interrupted her in this kind of political realm so he's kind of almost playing two conflicting roles that she can't quite um, reconcile. Yeah. What I was also going to say is that also goes back to that last scene that I was talking about where where she's angry and tones everyone out, but at the same time, she's in a huge room full of people and she feels really alone, and you can totally see that. Hmm. So, um, But why... Why can't John just keep this a secret? Like, is he just like, why does he have to tell people? honor? What does what Stark does that mean honor. though? What is on? What, why is it dishonorable to keep this secret? Because you can't lie to your family. He can't lie. I don't know. That, would the lie? What would the lie be that he's not really their brother? Is that it? Um. Well, all of it. I think. I guess. It I seems mean, like. Yeah, yeah, it might be a little forced, but but I mean, you know, John and Ned. That's always been their downfall. Is their honor does them in, you know. But I mean, Ned they, kept the secret. Oh, that's true. He did. And and like Ned was specifically dishonoring like his own marriage, whereas right, right. John, there's no real repercussions for John keeping the secret. It's not like again, yeah. he doesn't intend. He keeps saying, "I don't intend to take the throne." So why true. why put this information out there? Yeah, I guess I mean where the character writing of a lot of these of John of Danny of, like they 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 sort of have a character type mm. and they sort of had to stick to the same because there was John did the same thing during the the the, the last the that episode last season in which he admitted for no good reason to the entire council Ooh. of important people that uh, he already bent the knee to Danny 
Right. Right. I, I think also, though, I mean, it it's inevitable at some point it's going to come up. I mean, in the way that it did come up between the family when they're like, you're our brother, like for him to go, yes, I, I it's just he can't do that. He has to tell the truth. And and I, I, I think it fits his character. I mean, we can argue whether it was smart or whatever, but certainly John hasn't always made smart moves. I, I feel it's within his character to be like, I can't lie to them about this. So I would I would like John to learn from his mistakes because he keeps making <laughs> yeah, yeah. these really bad like decisions right. for honorable reasons and they always come back on him in really toxic ways and he keeps getting saved but yep. like it's just not fair like just you know play the game of thrones man <laughs> well there's no one left to save him now like uh davos was saying before like what the hell lord of light there is like you just go on there's no blessings there's nothing it's it's just done like there was proof of you and now there's no proof of you you know it's kind of like that. Yeah, there is nothing that could return John when he dies. Mm. I still can't get my head around why Danny just doesn't marry him. Um, and you yeah. do not need a power sharing thing because uh, when Varys and Tyrion are talking later, like it's said quite well that if they marry, Danny is a dominant person in that relationship. John will do what Danny says. And if she just realizes that, marries him, gets him on the side, she doesn't need to worry about him usurping her. He's already king. But she's, uh, but I mean, Danny she's so paranoid him. here. She's paranoid here, and she knows that everyone else is going to be looking at him and thinking the king, not me. Yep. And and she can't, I mean, remember, she's grown up with this whole privilege. I'm, this is my, this is my entitlement, I mean, we're entitlement more than privilege even. This is my entitlement. I deserve this. And now she's even questioning whether she really does. I mean, because realistically, she doesn't, you know? I mean, she's he does have the better claim, and not just because he's a man, but because he's the older brother, you know? I mean, he is the rightful king, and that makes her paranoid, and, and rightfully so. And yeah. He's not the older brother. He's the uh, the oldest I mean, the, male heir. Right, right, right. Male heir. Well, yeah. he's the son of the son. He's the son of the son yeah. rather than the sister, so that would give him dibs anyways. Even, even if she was a man, he would have dibs. Yeah, I guess it sort of yeah. shattered her confidence, because, like, Right. She could. She was laboring under this uh, this belief that she was the heir and also had the most powerful army. But it's kind of like, um, yeah, she's kind of yeah. questioning that, and that that you know loss in self esteem has made her paranoid, and it's disrupted their relationship. And like we we you know past podcasts we did mention this as an obvious solution, but um, they do bring right. it up. They say that you know Danny would would bend uh, him to her will, and she's become paranoid, and she thinks that even if they I guess the suggestion is even if they did marry, that his claim, or the, merely the fact that he's a, a man, would um, mean that people defer to him over her. Right, right. And she, she's not the type to put, take that lying down, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not her personality. They, they both, her and Varys, make the good point that um, it's not up to them. At this mm -hmm. point, um, people, it's it's all down to public perception. Mm -hmm. And... And Danny in her mind, and as well as and possibly also in reality, people at least a group, a huge group of people like John better. Period. Mm -hmm. And regardless of whether what John wants, they'll make John the king. Right. So I could go into another ghost rant if we wanted to. Yeah. I agree. This is oh. not even a belly scratch or a look. Nope. Like, oh, they did a look. Sorry, there was a look. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, it's very just like yeah, whatever. Look. Yeah, I didn't really know what to make of it. Like, I guess 
Uh, the cynical possibility is just that again they don't have enough CGI budget and they just yep. because it's like why even have this scene if you're gonna make it such a like a kick in the guts to ghost because he looks up and sort of whimpers when John walks mm-hmm. away from him it's like so heartbreaking well, like why even have the scene and cast yeah. John in such a horrible light I guess mm-hmm. maybe one uh, implication is that John is kind of turning his back on the North in some way. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of yeah. going South with Daenerys. Like again, yeah, he's chosen the dragon over the wolf, that kind of thing. Or, or the fact mm-hmm. that the knowledge that he's, he's born of uh, Rhaegar Targaryen has kind of disrupted his, his own perception of being a Stark or being of the North, the same way that Danny's perception as being that the true heir to the Iron Throne has been kind of disrupted. Right. I, I also found it interesting that, you know, we have this whole discussion of, well, first of all, Tormund and all, of the wildlings have basically okay we fought for we fought the dead but we're, we're not fighting these fights for you yeah. so they're leaving and there's a line that are that uh, sorry that sansa has where she says you know we've lost half of of the armies of the north and i'm not clear if she meant they all died or if she meant that a bunch of them they've gone back home like they're not here to fight anymore they're done like there yeah. was a hint of that. So, you know, I mean, it's interesting to say we all say that, yeah, they're all going to follow John, but it sounds like they're not following him, actually. Yeah, I mean, fair enough for the wildlings. What do they care <laughs> right, about? Right. The, what do they care right. about the, the Southern Kingdom? Well, I, I, I actually would expect Tormund to have stayed with him, at least through the end. If not the mm-hmm. rest of the wildlings, at least Tormund. Yeah. But it does make sense that he left, but I, I, I kind of wanted him to stay. That said, that triple goodbyes gave me all the feels. I mean, you know, first you have him saying goodbye to Tormund, which started to get me a little choked up. And then Sam and and I lost it, like him hugging Sam and, you know, and knowing and finding out that Gilly's pregnant. Oh, so, you know, I, I, I see, And that scene, I was I just like, oh, so they wrote in a justification for the actress getting a little bit of weight. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like, that, and, that's how that came across to me. <laughs> like, oh, and just like we're going to name him after you. I was like, no, I'm out. Like, this just, ugh, going to throw up in my mouth a little bit. No, I feel like they were totally going for her having a baby because, you know, little Sam isn't his baby. So now he gets one. I, I think I think that's what they were going for. But whatever. So I, and, I, didn't, I didn't quite catch it. Is Sam going back to Horn Hill or the Citadel? I, I thought he was not. going north. I thought he was going north with Gilly. Oh, okay. Because you notice Tormund and him, and then we get the third goodbye of Ghost, all are kind of together. I felt like he's taking her back, like, home to the north kind of thing, because he doesn't have anywhere to go now. I don't know. It, I'm not sure why, but I think I think that's what they were going oh, yeah. for. Well, I guess technically he's still sworn to the Night's Watch. I don't even know if the Night's Watch is a thing anymore, because they've yeah. killed the White Walkers. Only Sam. Only Sam. He's, like, the last yeah. one left. But he does uh, mention... Maybe he'll be the leader. Well, literally, yeah, he's the only one left. But he, he does mention that to Danny that, like, I, maybe I can go home to Horn Hill now that my father's gone, I'll be accepted again. But he's talking yeah, about the, he's yeah. talking about the Citadel a bit and the libraries, and so I wasn't quite sure where he was heading. I mean, I'd like him to go to the Citadel, become a maester, or I mean, he's the last last of the Tali's left. Why doesn't he just become Lord? Um, he's got an heir, right. so yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to rewatch the episode to see if they mention where he's going. I'm sure, I'm, sure you, I'm sure YouTube will, uh, will will inform us gracefully. Right, right. <laughs> I just rewatched it, and it, I don't think they said specifically. I thought the implication was he's going with. With Torment and Ghost, but I don't think Gilly enjoys going back past the before and over the wall. Yeah, I doubt she has fond memories. Yeah, like fond associations with the Beyond the Wall. Yeah, yeah right. it doesn't make sense, but I think that's what they're going for. But then you know, 
Yeah. It's not the first thing that hasn't made sense. <laughs> Do you think that's the last we're seeing of Sam? Is that his uh, curtain I call? Think so. I think all, all of them. Episode, so two episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a pretty good ending for him. Probably one of the few characters to get a happy ending. <laughs> Baby on the way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Um, so the second half of the episode, uh, we've got Danny and her Unsullied are sailing south to show this Cersei broad what's what, while John marches <laughs> with the rest of her army by land. Below deck, Tyrion and Varys are power-ranking the two potential monarchs. Graymworm and Masande hold hands and look lovingly into each other's eyes, which is the Big signal. F- which is the signal for Euron to play pin the javelin on the dragon. Rhaegal is made, made a sacrifice to the drowned god, while Danny and Drogon make a hasty retreat. The survivors wash up on shore, but Missandei is not among them. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, I was going to do that. Was anyone else <laughs> help, hoping for a kraken to turn up? Because I was hoping for a kraken just to like, snatch like Rhaegal's uh, body. We've got to get one. We've got to get oh, one. I so just we wanted can use one it. so bad. We can use it for the cover art for the podcast. <laughs> right that would have been the moment right that would have been the moment yeah i, I was i laughed when the first shot went through Regal. i was so surprised i you, not laughed as in i thought it was funny i was just so yeah shocked and into it that i wow. giggled all the way through just in like oh my god this is actually happening oh my goodness i know uh it was so shocking because you know i was like chatting with the person i was with because mm-hmm. i thought it was kind of a lull in the episode and then all of a sudden there's yeah. like po- Boom, holes being burst into the dragon like it just came out of nowhere and even worse, and even worse, Euron takes out a fucking dragon. Like, that pisses me off. <laughs> of all the people. At that point, I think I was telling my partner that I was right. This, like, Grey Worm is totally returning Missandei's bones to Narth at the end. Like, that's his, like, final scene or something. Like, that's what I... Because this has been my thing for about... Aww. Since the beginning of the episode, that's what I think is going to happen since they had that conversation about Narth in the first episode. Right. Like, well, I've known she's seen... going to die. And I was like, see, I'm right, I'm right. And boom, shot they, straight into Regal. Yeah, with Grey Worm and Missandei, they've been trying to, like, oh, Grey Worm's going to get it, Grey Worm's going to get it. And they keep, like... And he keeps surviving and says, like, aha, got it's actually Missandei. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the love. moment they were holding hands, we were done with them. We knew, I mean, we already knew it from like, two weeks ago, but now we're really, really telescoping, and it, it's over. Yeah, <laughs> three days from re- retirement. I would love if we saw Nath and he, uh, he buries her bones among the butterflies. That would be so sweet. Oh, oh, yeah. What else? Oh, there was a discussion in there somewhere. I think I think that's in this section here of how Yara has taken the Iron Islands, and there's a new Prince of Dorne. Who the fuck is this? Is, is there suddenly a Quentin in the show? <laughs> oh yeah. my god, that would be awesome. Have He's they, like have finally they ever made it back. <laughs> he got too late to Marine and Danny had left, so he just went all the way back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, have they ever officially said that uh, what's his name was an only child? Not a. F- Officially, I don't think. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. They can recon anything. Quentin like. lives. <laughs> yeah. Right. So maybe it's Quentin. <laughs> maybe it's an Ironwood. It's got a Martell somewhere beyond the dumpster. <laughs> Where the Martells belong. A man Woody. A man Woody. Well, the show Martells, I should say. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's the man Woody. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and Yara apparently has retaken the Iron Islands. Go Yara. Off camera. Off camera. Really easy. Go good Krakens. <laughs> like, show up. It's like, yeah, what's up? I'm drunk now. And you're Queen like, of yeah, Garbage sure. Isle. Congratulations. Right. Here's your crown, your majesty. <laughs> you took the islands while their entire fleet was gone, and then they're just going to come back and take you out. Yeah. Or not. It's Yara musical. changes the Greyjoy sigil to, like, a bin chicken. <laughs> musical chairs with those islands, yeah. 
and we get uh, the first ink. Finally, Varys has something to do. He's scheming with mm-hmm. Tyrion about uh, whether Danny will actually be a good ruler. I actually really like this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, and Tyrion saying, like, we are the people who should uh, be thinking about her state of mind, you know, right. her yeah. loyal advisors. What we stress about, and I really liked that because uh, it's a good foreshadowing for their scene later on. How on earth they ended up on the beach to each other, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but I did love those bolts going through the um, ship and Tyrion just going like, "Nope, nope, oh crap, I have to, I have to swim." Okay, <laughs> I think yeah, it was very good and such a surprise. And Danny wouldn't have seen them; they were in a little peninsula and there was high rocks. So when people are complaining about that, no, geography, she couldn't see them. Apparently. Um, I feel, again, so, this the, so this is the part where I felt was rushed. Yeah. Because, and, and most importantly, because of Tyrion. Because I feel like have Tyrion do something to show that he is smart. I mean, this seems right. like a perfect chance to do so. A perfect time to do so. But yeah. they kind of just rush right into the final battle of Cersei now. And he's just, I mean, he had a good scene talking with Barris, but still, it's not, why is he smart? Yeah, it is uh, getting a bit straining credulity that everyone <laughs> keeps saying he's this genius and pretty much every yeah. plan he puts into motion fails. <laughs> yep. Yep. Like, show him to be like some sort of tactical master one last time. Yeah, I don't think the uh, let's march up to the gate and say, pretty please, can we have like a city was a brilliant move. No, <laughs> and but Cer- I mean Cersei's pretty crafty. She's like she's, she's like maxima it's the hound maximizing the population of uh, King's Landing so that it yeah like yep. sort of because uh, yep. she knows Danny will will uh, err from from mass slaughter and if she indulges well. in it it will be bad PR for her. I mean I feel like Cersei mm. I don't really I guess she thinks she can win and you know for all we know she can. Apparently the the odds are much more even now. But um yeah it's all or nothing I guess for Cersei. She's all in on crossbows. Giant crossbows. <laughs> yeah, a I'm, lot of them. And this, the crossbow was pretty lackluster last season, but they've uh, been upgrading yeah. considerably. They were very effective. Mm-hmm. It's Kyburn, the secret, te- secret tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we'll get to the last scene, which is Danny is ready to go full Mad Queen and burn King's Landing to the ground. But Tyrion tells her to consider the optics and the ethics. Jamie hears about the situation and starts mounting up for some queen slaying, breaking Brienne's heart and the entire fandom in the process. The Danny squad travels all the way to the gates of King's Landing for a parlay, and all they get is a lousy beheading. Um, okay, so first Jamie, uh, but you know, J- Jamie breaking Brienne's heart. I thought this scene was like so devastating. Like Brienne's acting was so good. I got yep. a bit misty. Yeah, it's uh, a very so. good cry ugly face. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so heartbroken. She like so genuinely admires him and loves him, or or mm-hmm. wants to see him become a good person. Right. Senses some mm-hmm. kind of sort of night, some kind of ideal beneath all of that sort of ragged nihilism and whatever. But I, just, I love he just he just tells her no, it's not there. There's nothing underneath. Well, he even I mean, and he's uh, you know at least what he, a lot of what he's done, he's right. You know, he he says she he says you think I'm a good a good man. She's hateful, and so am I. And he like lists off all the awful things he's done, which are awful. I mean, he's right, but he won't accept. You know, he's gotten better, and he can be better. Now, you you said you think he went off to do some queen slaying. Which queen do you think he's slaying? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I guess the way the it's, scene plays, it's sort of like you know he can't quit Cersei. She's in trouble. Right, he has to go exactly. running home, or, or or that he goes to kill Danny and stops her from killing Cersei or something. But I think it, it'll be to kill Cersei. That'll be the final scene. 
Yeah. Oh, well, I Nick... definitely think it's to kill Cersei, um, and he knows he's going to die in the process, and it was the rough breakup, so Brienne doesn't follow him, because he knows he's dying. He he will make sure that Cersei is dead, and he knows that that's going to end his life. Oh, right. See, he doesn't want her mourning him or something. Yeah, and I, I, he, he doesn't want her following him because yeah. that's Brienne's thing. Like yeah, Brienne will like, true. no, you're off to do something noble and quest-like, and I'm sure Sans is very happy for me to kill Cersei, yeah. so I'm going to come with you. And he's like, no, Maybe. you needed like th- this was the really mean breakup for Brienne's benefit. Yeah, Maybe. I feel like the main difference when he was listing off all the horrible things he did is that between her him and Cersei, that Cersei would never admit those things are, are bad things. Hmm. So he was just thinking, those are things that are necessary things to do. And, and he, like, the fact that he's self-consciously saying that, that how horrible person he is shows mm. how different he is from Cersei, which I believe points to the fact that he is ultimately going to be the Valonqar. Right. Interestingly, I, I felt like watching it, it definitely felt like he was saying, no, I'm going to protect Cersei. That's what I have to do. But I like the idea that you said maybe he was being harsh to Brienne to protect her and that he's acting and that he actually is going to go and kill her or stop her or something like that. I hadn't considered that. And that's actually an interesting idea. I guess it'll be interesting to see if he's because really Jamie, acting. Or real. Yeah, because Jamie in the first couple of seasons, he would have broken up to Brienne to her face but he was running off in the night so she, he was gone true. when she woke up mm-hmm. yeah also and I like think, hell like Brienne mm-hmm. has a nightgown no, yeah. <laughs> that was borrowed and I think Brienne thinks it's to go and protect Cersei which is like doubly yeah. heartbreaking not just yeah. that he's oh, saying yeah. what a bad man he is but that he's choosing Cersei over right. Brienne well that's what he clearly says whether he's doing that I don't know I thought he was yeah. I, I actually did think no. he, he was going back yeah. to last season I'll do anything for her I guess I've realized it that's what i thought but i actually like your idea that that he's faking it i like no. it so say threatens to kill him at the end of last season i don't think there's any coming back from that i hope i hope <laughs> and, but i said i don't know if he's actually going to going to be how things are going to play out because there's also the aria scene right aria leaves with the hound and of oh, course right. aria is has more has more names on her list right she even says she has unfinished business just like the hound says he does so Right. She's also See, my theory with that is in Clegane Bowl, which we're totally getting, right. um, yeah. the mountain kills the hound and Arya avenges the hound. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. because her new sure. little sword thing and like a lot of her, because um, I was thinking this like all episode three, like her staff skills and that kind of thing are so reminiscent of um, Oberyn Martell's mm. that it'd be really interesting mm. to see another battle that's pretty much exactly the same, but Arya wins. Yeah, and she needs someone. She needs a final kill, and it can't. I think Jamie's claimed Cersei, so I think the avenging yeah. the Hound would be a good, good finisher. And, and even in the original, like by Arya, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's very, very good at ticking names off that list. Uh, but yeah, in the original, like Mountain Oberyn fight, um, it, it was said that like he might, like the Mountain might have strength and brawn, but these different fighting styles he's not incredibly successful against because he can't brute force it. Hmm. And that's perfect for Arya, not so good for the Hound. And no matter how thick the armor, there's always a, there's always a gap. And if anyone's going to find it, it's someone like Arya. With a little needle. <laughs> but I mean, he's With a, a pointy uh, end. He's a, you know, he's a zombie. Like, can you hurt a zombie yeah. by stabbing its elbows? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. And he's, if he doesn't have a head, then I guess he does have a head in this in this canon. <laughs> so he right, can stab right. his brain or whatever. <laughs> um, what Did do we think? Did anyone else is think Missandei gonna... was going to jump off? Because I was ready for like Missandei to be like, yeah, no, like I will jump over you killing me or Danny doing something mm-hmm. stupid. And I think 
she has the best final word or words, but you know, word of the entire like death scene, just like that Dracarys. I'm like, fuck yes, Masande, you're awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool <sighs> final word. Do we one, think, one thing I wanted to think. Do we think she's saying burn the city? Is that the implication? Seemed go, like it. Go full mm-hmm. Targaryen. It seems very vindictive for the Miss Sunday, but I guess yeah. I, mean, I don't know what I would say if I were put. In, I was just about to have my head cut off. Yeah, it felt out of character, but it is a moment that isn't pretty typical. Yeah, but it, it's it was you know her and Danny's first big fight thing together when Danny's like Picaris and burn all the slave owners well, and yeah. this yeah like Danny's gonna take it in a like I should burn this place down right. And just go full crazy tug where it's going to be like Masande's final words that really are a tipping point. Right. Do you think Danny can try that trick again? This... Like, I'll swap you the dragon for the city and then she <laughs> <laughs> dragon is my slave. I, I don't know if it would work for Cersei, but it would definitely work for Euron, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, Euron. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah what about the Golden character. Company? Can they be uh, swayed somehow? Mm, I think funny. the Golden Company is a plot device. Yeah. Yeah. Just a battery yeah. ram. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Quick side note for, for the Sansa haters. Sansa really sets all of this, uh, all of the uh, treason in motion. Really, I mean, she gets the info. She gets the info from John. Swears not to tell anyone. Instantly tells Varys, who then goes and tells Tyrion. Tyrion. I'm sorry. Instantly tells Tyrion, and Tyrion then goes to tell Varys, and now it's now it's done. Now the whole kingdom knows. It's like yep. that lasted five minutes, and it's all Sansa's fault. So all the Sansa haters have another reason to hate her now. The whole seven kingdom knows in five minutes. <laughs> right. Varys oh, no, was completely right when he's like, how many people yeah. know? And Tyrion's like, eight. He was like, well, that's not a secret anymore. That's just information. <laughs> Is it though? Like, it's, no, it's still Sansa a doesn't secret. tell anyone else. Yeah, you have like 10 people. Like, the, yeah. Well, the moment it got to Yeah, but you told Varys. <laughs> yeah, all right. I guess, Varys, so everyone I guess Varys, Varys is still deciding whether he wants to. If he does want to press John's claim, then he will make it public knowledge. But I think it's still a, on the DL. It sounds like yeah. he's... And the final speech, he, like talk he had with Tyrion, I really like the talking about politics and treason. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tyrion saying, like, thoughts are not treason, where, I'm sorry, rulers don't think that. Rulers think thoughts are treason, and that's where it becomes a problem. And talking about destinies, like, I've never, you know, say he's all tyrants believe it's their destiny, and, yep. and, and that's a problem. Right. Um, and last week, I, I, I had issues like reconciling Varus, the protector of the innocent, with the little birds. But they've definitely, mm-hmm. I feel like that might just be a book thing. Where in the series, it's definitely Varus does serve the realm and does serve the innocent people right. of the realm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this speech just reinforced it. So it's kind of my um, that that kind of cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. is no no, yeah. no longer there. Like I get where they're coming from with Varus now. Uh, right. And I look forward to him betraying Danny. I look forward to the tantrum that she has. I think that right. is going to be some good watching. Even uh, though it's not like he's been with her long. But, you know, one thing I found was really interesting, though, is there's a parallel in there that I don't know if it was deliberate. But but if it is, it's I found it really interesting, which is when Danny gives her speech about how she needs to protect them and that's her duty and she will do it. And she says specifically, no matter the cost. 
And then later, when Varys is arguing with um, Tyrion, he makes the whole thing of, like, I'm going to protect the realm. I have to do what's right for the realm. And he says, I will do it no matter the personal cost. So I thought it was interesting that him and, you know, the woman he's opposing right now, they actually have the same point of view. I'm going to do what's necessary no matter the cost. And they, and I, I don't think that Varys would even note the hypocrisy yeah, but of him no, no, complaining but about her doing what he's doing. No, no, but Varys <laughs> is talking about a personal cost. Uh, Danny is talking right. about a, a cost to True. everyone but her. Yep. Right. True, true. But still, it was similar yeah. words. Varys like is going to kill one person. Danny is going to kill thousands. Yeah, the greater good kind of argument. Mm-hmm. The greater good. Oh, Sorry, I can't do a West Country accent. Yeah. Although she's arguing the greater good too. And we but. have echoes of, you know, the Mad King threatening to burn mm-hmm. down the city and uh, Jamie yep. heading, to, uh, heading to some kind of confrontation. Maybe it won't be... As much as we all assumed that it would be Cersei that would burn down the city and Jamie would kill her to pr- to protect the city, maybe it'll actually be Danny that Jamie has to kill to protect the city from burning. Yeah, well, that yeah, that, that's exactly right. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, John turns up next episode and talks her down. <laughs> John maybe. just bumbles in, yeah. <laughs> Although, what were we just saying that that he will bow to her and she'll you know she'll dominate him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what's going to happen, and that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this is why I gave it such a high high rating, is because, especially after like episode three, I didn't know what was happening. Quite a few things happened this episode that I didn't see coming. I didn't see Masande dying in the way that she did. I am really interested again, and I didn't think I'd be this interested after episode four, after episode three. I thought I mm-hmm. they wouldn't have snagged me, but my goodness, they got their claws in good. That's like a, a <laughs> underneath the ribs kind of snag. I'm going to, yeah, enjoy the next two episodes awesome. just to see what will happen, uh, which I didn't expect, which is nice. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts? Is the next episode another big battle episode? I don't know. Uh-huh. I watched the preview, but it, it was kind of just sort of uh, ominous shots. Yeah. No indication about what's going to happen. John, well, arri- John arrives, but that's about it. In all of the preseason stuff, they talked about the one big battle. And I don't know if that was, you know, misdirection or if, you know, it's going to go a different way and this will be lesser. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if there would be a big battle. Might be some big explosions. It would feel any climactic. Yeah, there might yeah. be some big explosions, but I don't know. We still got a minor skirmish this episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, if that's everything, that concludes Cracking Cast for this week. So there's only two episodes left in the entire series. Uh, If you'd like to join us for either of them, we typically record on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. You can also catch the American episode reviews uh, with the Dragon Cast and the European episode reviews uh, with the Wolf Cast. So thank you for joining me, Dana, Bing, David, and Abby. And thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. See ya. Thank you. (laughs)